my voice almost completely I can still talk if I lower it just a lot <laughs> all right we're deep in the middle of the mutiny radio comedy festival week and I'm still alive holding on to the tether of reality by a very thin cord oh man uh, we've got a lot of shows tonight six o'clock at milk bar that's going to be great. I'll be hosting it. Also, 7 and 9 p.m. at Asiento tonight. Get your tickets now. If you use the uh, promo code COMICS, 50% off on those Asiento shows. Anyway, if you're listening, give me a call, 415-550-0511. We're going to have uh, festival comedians coming through here all day, doing an open mic from 2 to 4. And, uh, yeah. Should be fun. I am, I am having a really good time. Last night at Milk Bar at 10 o'clock, there was a Dirty Angel from Portland put out a show, and it was on. It was fire. They know how to do a show, man. Tyrone Collins, badass. Dirty Angel Productions, look him up. Really impressed. They also run the Black North America Northwest Black Festival coming up on their sixth year too, doing a festival. So yeah. Boy, is my voice shot. <laughs> I still, and it's the middle of the week. Oh, I bit off more than I could chew. I did a punchline on Sunday, and uh, I gave myself a B minus when I got on stage, and then everybody pumped me up, and then I watched the tape, and I was like, yeah, that was a B minus. I can grade myself. I know what's up. So B minus on Sunday, but man, I ran five shows, and started a festival so and then it was my birthday and then I did a set at the punchline and I didn't mention that it was my birthday just did a bunch of abortion jokes because I just loved to distance an audience you know and it's all I can think about 
abortion, abortion, abortion. I love that joke by Luke Moore, who's also on the show tonight at Asiento. It's his joke, and it goes, row, 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 V. Wade, abortion, 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 abortion. Thanks, Luke Moore. It's a very funny joke. Well, kids, I'm going to put on a little bit of copay here, and uh, we're going to listen to a little music, because I can't talk. I can't do it anymore. Please buy your tickets for tomorrow at El Rio. It's going to be an amazing show with headliner Scott Capurro and Andy Awancio coming out from Seattle. Also, Tony Sparks, Lauren Kraut, Casey McNeil from Boston, Peter Struckmeyer, Drea Myers, myself, Pam Benjamin. Uh, it's going to be a great show. So come pack it out, please, at El Rio. If you want to use a, a discount thingy mabobs, check out, uh, put in Fun Cheap. And get 50% off tickets. Do that. All right, listen to some copay. I'll play some music.
you had to be a big shot was user error <laughs> that was big shot by billy joel i don't feel like a big shot right now <laughs> here's uh here's some spot of poseidon from uh floating goat and then uh we'll be back uh, hopefully some comics roll through here at one o'clock we've got so oh master class no why do we have at one o'clock we've got something at one o'clock i swear it's a master class with um, with Anthony Medina, and I need to tell everybody about that. Okay, listen to this song.
hell yeah. This motherfucking floating goat. Love that band. Drummer, comedian Aaron Barrett. Yeah, Ian on the bass and Chris Corona singing and playing lead guitar. Really great local band. And I got to hang out with drummer, comedian Aaron Barrett on Monday. He works at Docs Clock. We had a great time. Giants won. That was exciting. Not that I care about baseball, but it was a good game. And um, got to hang out with my uh, my old buddy, my old boyfriend. Um, yeah, I'm going to play some more Billy Joel. And then hopefully after that, you know, some comics will be here and we'll hang out and stuff. But if not, thanks for listening to the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. If you search for tenderness It isn't hard to find You can have the love you need to live But if you look for truthfulness You might just as well be blind It always seems to be so hard to give Honesty
subjected you to enough Billy Joel. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love that stuff. Okay, my voice is so shot right now. I have no idea how I'm going to hold out through the rest of this week. Well, it doesn't look like any comics came for the first open hour. Um, I was kind of hoping LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, would come in. Not that I can talk right now anyway. But um, at 1 o'clock, we've got Anthony Medina is doing a master class. And it might just be for me. But that's cool. We can, he and I can do a podcast. It'll be fun. All right. Let's, uh, let's listen to some more Joan Jet. Why not?
Jet's voice sounds like what mine would be if I was trying to sing at this point. Yeah, I and I can't stop. I'm so stupid. I I hosted a show last night anyway. I was like, you know what? Stage time is worth it. I'm just gonna blow my vocal cords out. Hopefully it's like cancer or something. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm trying to get this record back in its sleeve. All right. Um so I'm chilling here at Mutiny Radio. Kinda wait in for throngs of people to come in uh, specifically for Anthony Medina's cool masterclass I think he's going to teach us about discipline which for me kind of preaching to the choir like th- that's the thing is I I worked real hard and I just don't know how to sell tickets I wish I knew how to do that And then I did spend money, but I guess I didn't spend enough, or I spent it in the wrong way. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, the Kope song on right now is super trippy. Let me tell you about the shows again tonight. Six o'clock at Milk Bar. Come on out. It's going to be fun. We're going to be outside. Also outdoor shows, two of them at Asiento tonight, one at seven and one at nine. Please come out. Comedians from all over the place. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun. <laughs> the only thing that I, it's just audience, man. And I just feel so guilty. I, I feel, I think it's great. I'm bringing together all these comics and they're all meeting each other and having so much fun. And that's great. But the one missing component is the thing we all crave, which are the people. Last night at Milk Bar, there was enough, you know. And the beauty of it is people from out of town, everyone's audience, you know, because they don't know anybody. Okay, let me uh, grab another record or something. Hold on. Enjoy some cope in the inner in the inner mezzo here. Thank you. 
Okay, I found some weird shit. I don't have any idea what this is. It says Mary on the front. And then there's this blonde lady. The smoke and breastfed on the sound of drugs. Dear God, no. Whoa. Oh. That is not up my alley, Mary. It said Paul Simon something, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check her out. Nay. Oh, the things they put out in the 70s. But the, but the picture's cute on the front. Okay, here we go. This is fantastic, topical, and totally works because they're actually playing at the Noise Pop block party this Saturday, which is super exciting. Uh, I've known Zandra for years. The band is called Conbrio, and their first album is from the hip, and uh, they've been around for a while, and they're amazing, and they're headlining, I believe, the Noise Pop block party this Saturday, the 16th. All the streets are going to be closed down here around 20th Street by the Noise Pop headquarters and mutiny radio is actually in pam benjamin i get to open the festival at noon on their main stage yeah i know with luca branches it's going to be a lot of fun and then there's two shows at atlas one at two and one at three thirty. and the only way to get a seat in the parklet is to buy a ticket but the whole street's going to be closed down it's going to be a lot of fun so we're going to have a good time and this band will be playing combrio from the hip streets while I'm up in my room with the blinds drawn I just listen chaos all around the cacophony sound there's nowhere to go but around where you gonna run I don't know can I come to
joys, half devil, half bloodhound. Try to walk on by, don't mean no disrespect. But the beast don't like my scent, and I'm spent. I had to shoot him down.
late to all you fuckers walking around in your clean clothes just sipping away the day i'll take this wind and this cool malt liquor i'll start my own trends
that was Cum oh I'm sorry, I just scratched the record. That was Cumbrio from the hip. And Cumbrio's gonna be playing this Saturday, headlining at the Noise Pop block party that was gonna be happening on 20th Street, which is going to be all shut down. I actually get to open that up on the 19th Street stage with Luca Branches. We're going to do some PG-13 stuff. That's going to be all Saturday. Saturday, you can also join us um, for 2 and 3.30 at Atlas during the Noise Pop Block Party. All right, a little bit more Cumbrio, and then we're going to be back with Anthony Medina. Everything considered, I think I'm lucky to be here. Why do my good reactions always seem to interfere with the bottom of my life? Someone call the doctor, think I'm sick beyond repair. I don't need no medicine, I just
woman, I don't think so.
We are here for the third master class in the series of classes here at Mutiny Radio for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2021. And I am happy, I am pleased as punch to announce your next master class by Anthony Medina. Thank you out there, everyone in Toon World and live here with us. Thank you, Pam, for doing this uh, wonderful Mutiny Comedy Festival once again. Happy six years. Uh, you can now start eating sugar, so we appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for the all like that you've been doing for this community too, Pam. I know sometimes like your work might not seem like it's being appreciated, but you are very well appreciated by a lot of people. Just comedians have trouble expressing their emotions, yeah. You now, so that's the big problem there. Uh, I am Anthony Medina, and I will be doing a class here on producing and hosting. Okay, so. Producing and hosting is a very crucial part of any show, uh, especially with comedy. Uh, so just letting you know, um, these this information is coming from like 13, 14 years of experience. And I'm just trying to kind of let everyone know if they want to start to do a show, uh, how to keep control, and then uh, how to manage beef in the comedy scene, all right? Because uh, all that shit goes hand in hand at some point, all right? Uh, before we get started, I wanted to make sh- like kind of give you a little insight to the very first show I ever produced. All right, I'm gonna take us back to 1993. Okay, the venue was my parents' house. All right, the show, the Royal Rumble, yeah, WWF Royal Rumble. All right, this was back when it was called the Dub World Wrestling Federation and not the WWE these days, because damn it, World Wildlife Foundation, those pandas won on that one. But the thing, how this thing worked. Uh, is that I had these are these are back in the day when it was like pay per view, and remember the pay per view stuff that shit cost like sixty bucks, seventy bucks, you know. So and you know we were like in South Central LA, you know a lot of people don't believe that because I'm alive, but uh, you know this shit was going down, and at the same time, I had to make sure that we got to we got to pay for it. But also, I was coordinating a lot of people to come. Like, all the little Latinos in the neighborhood were coming over and stuff. We were having, like, Cokes and Sprites. Uh, but I, I also charged $5 admission to kind of, like, kind of help that out. And then not only that, I came up with a gambling scheme for the Royal Rumble. It's a it's a 30-man battle royal, so you have to toss opponents, and the last person gets a championship at WrestleMania. And what we did is that we put everybody's names that was in the Royal Rumble in a hat. And then everyone got names, and if you got points based off of like, so it even and the house got ten percent. All right, just like Vegas, y'all. All right, so we just want you to play. Um, so that was like the first time where I was like, oh wow, okay, this is how you bring people together. All right, uh, it's because like my mom got the house clean, so she was pretty happy about that, you know. And then you know Julio got a bunch of Sprite, so and like now Julio's uh, onto Coke. All right, yeah. So uh, it's just trippy, like just seeing like how that was like my first kind of instance into kind of producing slash hosting. And so because of that, like I, I didn't know at the time, but I was like on a path to that. And I want to kind of flash forward to, I want to say 2012, 2011, when I, I actually probably like 2010, nine or something, I, I'm going way back. But uh, it was when I first started going to the brainwash. All right, uh, Mr. Sean, right? Uh, yeah, so the brainwash was a nice little spot 
uh, it, we did a comedy there. Like it got up to seven nights a week at one point, but we were once a night. And then good old gentrification, fuck that all up. All right. But at the same time, it was cool being in that experience because I learned a lot. And in starting with just one show and then moving up to seven shows, uh, it was over 300 shows in a year. So there was a lot that went into that. And because of that, um, my main goal while I was there was to create producers. It wasn't about the comedians. It was about the producers, right? Like just letting you know at any show, the most important person is not the headliner. It's not the audience. It's the producer. So that's why we got to give a lot of love to Miss Pam Benjamin because she is the executive producer of this entire comedy festival. And it's, it's a lot of work. And a lot of people do not want to produce uh, because it's tough work. You know, like when it comes to comedians, there's a lot of comedians just like, When's my, when am I getting up? And that's it. That's all they really care about. They just worry about their seven, 10 minutes. And even that, they get nervous over it, you know? So it's like interesting seeing like what it is. But when you become a producer, you get to see where, how the entire show flows. You know, you get to see where it is to be, where to put your talent and so forth, how to work with people. So uh, the tips I'm gonna give here are again, from all this collective like experience and knowledge, what you choose to do with it, that's up to you, all right? But at the same time, uh, I, it, it kind of worked for me for a while. And I, these days, like, I'm just uh, kind of helping out at OMG, running an open mic every Tuesday. And then uh, at one point, once things kind of open up more, I would like to kind of dabble back into producing again because it, it's, it's fun once you get a hang of it, all right? So um, the, it's going to break into at uh, one section into hosting, but to start off, because it's the really back end, we need to start with producing, all right? Uh, I like to say there are three Ps in producing, uh, production, promoting, and performing, all right? Depending on how you want to work, you can do all three, or you could find people to help you out and be co-producers. If you're not like, if, if maybe you might have not be so confident talking to so many people, because a producer will have to talk to a lot of people. I think uh, Pam was sending out 15 emails before this shit. So uh, that just lets you know. Uh, with the production side, there are three parts to that. There is the pre-production, the show itself, and post. All right? In pre-production, uh, that's like organizing the venue. That's like doing, uh, like booking the acts, you know, uh, figuring out what you're going to charge, all that stuff. That's the pre-production. Uh, the actual show is obviously when it's go time, all right? That's what you build it up for, and that's what you're trying to do. And then the post-show is uh, if there's any breakdown. Uh, if you're talking to audience members after a show is also post because you never know if they might, like, come back. You know, do you have a newsletter? You got social media? What's going on and stuff? So that way you get people constantly in your rotation, all right? With the promoting, this one's probably, for me too, the toughest, Promotions suck because you do a lot of work and sometimes you do not get the payback. Um, so some people have gotten it. Um, I, if you, there are people who are just specific in being promoters. Uh, if you could partner up with someone like that, I would highly suggest. Otherwise, you need to start to create your own little uh, Google world type of thing. All right, like don't think outside the box. Think within your circles. All right, that's what's kind of so kind of keep people going through. Uh, that promoting can be online. Uh, Pam has wonderful flyers and uh, posters here, which I would love to take one, Pam. That's basically, thank you so much. Um, and 
if you're going to do paid promo, if you, like you could do all those tactics. It's all about what you feel would work for you. Uh, in the performing side, uh, that's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of focus, and a preparation, all right? When it comes to the performing side, again, there are people who are just strictly producers, and they are integral to the comedy scene. There are a lot that are producers, slash comedians, slash hosts, whatever you want to kind of branch them into. Uh, so with the promoting and performing, that can be kind of partnered out if you need to. With the production, though, that's going to fall, again, on the producer itself. So you really have to get that whole production side set first, but then you could do the shows and you can make the adjustments later. Uh, so to start off, you'd be lucky to get a lot of people. That'd be cool. Uh, there's been times where it was like hot shows where we had over 100, 200 people. And then there's been shows when there was only two people, you know, like we're right now and stuff. Like you have to be used to all these things. It should not be a shock. It should not be like, oh, I don't want to do the show anymore because uh, no, 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 dude. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. Even if it's a hot show or a, like a small show, you still got to give it. All right. Like at the end of the day, think of it as a workout still. Like when you go work out, uh, you know, you're not playing around with the weights, you know, otherwise you're going to hit yourself in the foot or something, you know. So get to work, do the thing. All right. So, again, um, the partnering is up to... I would suggest uh, working with people that you first off trust, <laughs> uh, respect, and that could communicate to you. All right. So just FYI, I'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, I just want to get into like some pros of producing and then some cons. Uh, the pros of producing is that you create stage time for the community. This is huge because this is what keeps the community running. All right. You know, it just helps overall. Not only that, because of that, you are connecting with the comedy scene. Uh, when the brainwash was going on, I felt like I had a pulse on like the city of San Francisco. And the reason being, I wasn't watching news or like all too much, but I was hearing the, the comedians, what they were saying, what, their, what the new pop culture was and so forth. And they were informative. That was my news media right there. Were they sometimes a little bit off? Yeah. But you know what? That's life sometimes, right? Uh, another pro is that you get to create your own style of comedy and or show, all right? That means if you want to add burlesque, if you want to add fire dancers and stuff like that, go, this is the time to get creative. Obviously, that comes with like a, a price. So FYI, like you want to invest, but at the same time, think of it as an investment. All right. You're not just spending money, even if you don't get it back. Like you're still investing a lot into this and you should be putting your heart behind it because otherwise, why are you doing it? You know? Uh, also too, uh, it's benefit is you get a stage time exchanging stage time. It helps you out again. You open it up. So because of that, there will be doors open for you. And sometimes you will be still overlooked, but that's okay. Then you just keep on doing your thing. All right. And then, uh, the cool part I feel after producing so many shows is that you really get to, if you're a performer as well, you really get to see how you fit into a show, you know, like when a booker books you for your lineup and you, you know you might be like first and you're like i don't want to go first and stuff but that booker might have had the intent that you know what you know he's going to open it up because i like where he's at you know so that's why you get to see where you're at in a show and if you want to host if you want a feature or if you want a headline you got to get prepared so this is a cool way to kind of like figure out where you fit in a show and what each part of the show is now the cons the cons is that there is lots of follow-up. 
you have to keep on like tracking people down. You have to keep on giving people information, even though you told them like five times, like there are people who are lost and confused in this community and they need some direction. So because of that, you got to do that. Um, another con is dealing with comedians, establishments, venues, and or audience. All right. Uh, comedians obviously were like a lot of sensitive egos. So you have that, uh, venues, establishments, you know, sometimes you get a nice partnership with a venue and they just want you to set up, do the show. It's like, sometimes it's like you get half the bar if you hit a certain point or something like that. Um, other times there's venues that won't give you anything and they expect you to pack the house with no extra help promotion and so forth. So when it comes to that type of stuff, uh, just be aware of the partnerships you're getting into. All right. Cause like don't fuck yourself over pretty much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, and then another one is that it's a lot of time. Wait, can you go back to the audience thing? Oh, the audience. Yes. But like it, controlling an audience or what if an audience is rowdy? How do you calm them down? What if they try to grab the microphone from you? Like all that kind of weird. What if they're drunk? So we'll be getting into that. I have after I get into the hosting, we're good. There's a section for hecklers. So yeah, I got that coming along, but with the audience in this particular start, uh, yeah, sometimes you get people are coming out to a show and they got problems in their own lives. All right. And they might look at you and you might remind them of an ex, you know, that treated them wrong. And because of that, they don't like you, you know, they simply are just judging you. And that's part of coming on the stage. You are open to judgment. So you have to accept that. So that way you don't, I'll get a little bit more into the audience, like how to deal with hecklers in a little bit. Uh, also a con is setting up the online if you're dealing with equipment, if you have to set up the equipment, that's all extra time. Like you need like an extra 15 minutes here, an extra 15 minutes, and next thing you know, you added an extra two hours to what you already thought was just gonna be an hour and a half show. So just letting you that know. Uh, and then a con is telling people no, which can sometimes be a pro, but a lot of times, you know, no one likes to hear the word no. And at the same time, um, don't let people step over you. You know, so if, if there's like an, someone that, whether it's an audience member being out of control, like too many whiskeys or something like that, you could tell them no. Uh, with comedians who are being like, I'm going up next. I'm like, no, you know, like chill. All right. So FYI, uh, the power of no, it's very powerful, but at the same time, use it wisely. Okay. And then uh, again, uh, if you are unable to fill all these tasks, Find other people that are organized, uh, communicative, and depending on your character, someone who has more energy or is chill. So you need like a little opposite to kind of bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. You don't want to be around the same people with the same mindset and not because it's like, oh, they're not going to be friendly and stuff, but because uh, when you are working with people who are different personalities than you, uh, you're challenged and you're challenged to break out of your own mold. Uh, your ideas will be questioned. And it's hopefully for the sake of making the show great. Like sometimes again, the egos might get evolved, but then that's up to you to personally judge on what you feel, all right? Uh, when it comes to setting up the lineup, I think this is something that's overlooked by a lot of producers still. They just kind of put a lineup together. And yeah, sometimes it's because people are double booked, so you gotta put them up and so forth like that. But if you have control of the full lineup, uh, within the first two comics, you should really have someone who's experienced, someone who's been in the game for a little bit, uh, someone who's seen a lot of different crowds. So that way, even if it's a small or big, it's they're able to handle it and it puts the show on a good uh, kind of thing. 
if the show is slow by the end of the third comic, uh, good luck. All right, <laughs> it's going to be a slow night, y'all. All right, so just FYI, uh, by that third comic, you should have a feel of what the mood of the show is going to be. So, and you could make some adjustments, but that's the starting off right there. A uh, big one that I think a lot of people need to hear is diversify your lineup. Diversify your lineup. It helps keep people guessing. Plus, you get to see a lot of different comedies. And unless it's a theme show, you know, like, so if it was like Latino hot, hot nights or something, then I could see that, you know. But like, if it's not a theme show, then you should really try to get people from different backgrounds, different groups. That way you get a lot of voices represented. And you don't really get like a less, less amount of like pushback if like being like the cancel culture and stuff. Because then if everyone's well represented, then that's a lot of problems just taken off the board. Do, do you have any stories about like an all white lineup? Or where you've seen a lineup where you were, where it didn't work or it did work. So um, Julie Ash and I, uh, we've been doing some shows because we now like live on together on the same floor type of thing, and so we've been uh, going to shows recently, and we are always the non-white guys. So you know she's uh, Jewish, I believe, blonde, and I'm Mexican, brown type of thing, and uh, we just did the crow's nest in Santa Cruz last Sunday. And it was pretty much like all surfer dudes type of thing with their girls, uh, definitely some Trumpers up in there, you know? And I was hosting, Julie was featuring, and then Michael Mancini, who's a cop and a comedian, uh, was headlining. When I got up there, like, uh, there was definitely people who were like, they just do not, are used to listening to a person of color. There's, that's just how society is kind of plagued. And depending on how you are, like if you're a white guy, chances are audiences, people will just start to listen to you out of nowhere. Yeah, whereas if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, chances are you're gonna be questioned more. You're gonna get a little bit more pushback. So FYI, go into it knowing like this is a possibility. So the cool part about hosting too is that you do get to address racism, sexism, all the isms if you really wanted to. So just FYI. Uh, once you have that balanced lineup, uh, I always had the best shows with that. So with this uh, Crow's Nest show, um, I went on and then I did my thing. I had to like, like, there was like a, cu a couple in the very front that was just like being like super like, I need my attention on me type of thing. Cause there's audience member who comes to the show and think that it's about them, you know? And it's like, no, no, like it's not how it works and stuff. And you know, it was easy to kind of like make some jokes off of them and stuff, but then Julie went on and same thing, they were giving it to her type of thing. And like, then Michael Mancini gets on and then the crowd is hush, you know, they're listening. And I'm just like, that's just how sometimes it works. Like, so FYI, you can run into the situations, uh, just know where you're at in society, what your role is and how you can use that to your advantage, but at the same time, uh, the awareness of it coming. So that's how sometimes like the things work. Julie and I are pretty much going into every show now thinking that um, we're, we're gonna be the only non-male white guys type of thing. And sure enough, we're two for two. <laughs> so it, it, and we even called out like the lineup of how it was going to be at the previous show. And it kind of went the route that we thought about on the talk over. So, when you kind of like know, uh, it kind of goes like go back to the whole how a show flows. So that's how you kind of like get a feel of that. 
All right. Um, and then the last thing of setting up the lineup, um, I like booking the headliner first and then building around them. So that way you know exactly how to balance that lineup. So once you got your headliner, that's a big chunk of the show. And now it's like it should be easier to fill the other spots. So that would be the last thing. All right. Can you address bringers? Bringer shows. Bringer shows. Yeah. Bringer shows. Okay. So there is uh, bringer shows in the community. Um, I also look at it as every show is a bringer show. You know, like you gotta like if you want to make it big in this entertainment world, you're gonna have to bring people. And uh, you know, if it's tough bringing five, ten people right now, like what happens if you wanted to sell out stadiums? You know, like that's a lot of more people. So with the bringer show. It's interesting dynamics. I think they've gotten a lot better from like when I first started and to where they're at now. They're a lot more developed, but a bringer show is pretty much uh, technically, it's typically like new people who've been doing it for less than a year, maybe less than two years, depending. But they got friends, you know, which a lot of comedians have worn out with their comedy over the years. So when you have new people, they are able to bring the show and hence the bringer term and they're able to put seats in the butt and they're supporting their friend, which, you know, it's probably like the first or second time seeing them. And they're just like, yeah, but like they might not be their friend afterwards, you know? <laughs> so, but at the same time, it's cool because the experienced developed comedians that are booked on the show pick up the show that much better. But you could tell the difference of a bringer show when someone's like brand new to when someone's been doing it for a while. So the bringer shows are, I, I, again, ha overall have been get developing really w nicely. Um, it's a great way to get traction for people coming to shows, you know, to start off and stuff, so forth. Um, but at the same time, every person can probably, it, like, can bring, like, two shows or three shows, possibly. So you're going to wear people out at some point. So that's why you, it's a good way to start with traction, but you still got to build off, off, off of that. So, again, kind of going back to newsletter media. Um, any questions, by the way, right now? Like, uh, anything else? Oh, I have a question about the actual when you're lining up the numbers. So sometimes I'll put newer people at the beginning, but then I think, oh, no, I want the audience to be hot, and I don't want them to mess up. But then I also don't want more seasoned comedians to think, ugh, she's having me go first. Does she hate me now? Yeah. How do you balance that out? Yeah, um, you're not going to make everybody happy, you know, like... I know there's plenty of times where I have put people in spots that they did not want to, but for the sake of the show, that's where I felt was the best move. So that's your power as a producer. You know, again, you have the power to do the show how you want to do it. So don't allow anyone else to be, make you feel like you're not doing your best work here. All right. So like a lot of people just, uh, again, it's easy to come in, do seven, 10 minutes and leave. It's very easy to do that. All right. And that's a little therapy session right there. All right. But to come in to like pre-book, do all these extra things at the beginning, then stay for the entire show, then also close out the show if there needs to be stuff like that. That's a lot. So if you're going to produce a show, get ready to use it, kind of see it as a part time job. All right. That you might not get paid for. But hey, I think a lot of us are doing those type of jobs. Right. All right. Uh, so now I'm going to get into the hosting side. All right, hosting. So again, uh, this part right here, you can get uh, other people to do so. It's up to you. Uh, a host, a good characteristics for hosts is uh, they have to be somewhat likable. You know, 
you can't like it's tough when you have someone who has like very dark humor that is just talking about like throwing bodies or something in the trash can you're like come on like that that is you're gonna have a little bit tougher time connecting with the audience because the audience is a, a blind set of strangers and you there's no trust when when you do get up there like yeah like you'll get a little bit trust again going back to how your role is in society and so forth uh if it's a role like a, a show that's like your demographic then you'll have a little bit extra trust and stuff but you have to build the trust as a host so that's why uh personality helps uh the host has to open the show and keeps it moving uh i do feel a lot of hosts do too much in between do they do too much in between and i'll get a little bit more into that give me some details but i just want to kind of throw it out there first and then uh depending on the show flow sometimes it's more or sometimes it's less time as a host you have to recognize that you know you, you really have to be well aware of the audience of the moment of just that that whole present because uh that's the only way you're going to get that trust once you got the trust then they're going to listen to you once they're listening to you then you can tell your jokes all right because now they'll hear your punchlines. whereas if they don't trust you they're not listening uh they're, they're just going to hear your punchline and be like where's i don't get it you know so fyi uh pros of being a host is uh typically accepted by the audience like the audience is under the idea that this is the host this is going to be the person that's going to be presenting us this entire night so they got to get adjusted all right so because of that you kind of like should have a little bit more leeway with the audience uh one of the big things you get to be funnier quicker and you more natural because like uh when it comes to hosting it's not again like coming in and you're doing your set that you wrote that you this is what you're going to get when it comes to hosting you're there's going to be those hecklers there's going to be random stuff you're going to come out of nowhere and when it comes to that like those type of laughs can be some of your biggest laughs so fyi if you really want to knock it all out it's like people like that it, like that was a special moment for all of us you know like a lot of people like look at kevin hart and stuff like that and be like oh well he kills it every time it's like yeah but he people know him it goes back to the trust, you know? So, like, once people trust you, then, like, you could barely just step on stage and you're going to be hilarious. So, like, the first, anytime you go see a big act, that first 15, 20 minutes when they're just talking random BS to the people and they're getting huge crash, uh, it's because the, the audience knows them, they trust them, and they're just letting them do whatever. And you pretty much don't get their actual set till, like, 15 minutes in. You know, when they're settled and stuff like that, and it's just like... So FYI, but once you get a show where a lot of people know you, 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 you have the ability to rock it. So FYI, use that to your advantage. All right. Um, being a host, too, is probably the easiest way to get booked. All right. Because that is one of the most, uh, it's one of the strongest points of the show. But at the same time, a lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of people are scared of it or whatever. And it makes them have to kind of kind of break out of their mold and so forth. But at the same time, you are going to grow so much. So, like, the, the, my biggest growth came in Brainwash, and it was, like, Tony's first time taking a vacation. And he left for, like, a month or something like that. And in that month, I grew so much. And it was because of all the hosting time. You know, I couldn't find, because, again, not everyone wanted to host. And so it kind of fell on me. If, if, if you're the producer and you can't find a host, then chances are you might have to host. So FYI, that's just how it goes. But it was great because you got a free burger. 
Yeah. That, I looked forward to that every Tuesday. I was like, it's my Tuesday. I'll get my burger from and, Cosme. And uh, Pam was like, uh, you had that weekly Wednesday It was on show. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday Tuesday's spot. I loved yeah. it. I loved I looked forward every week to that fucking burger. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I that's... miss Brainwash so much. And that's a good partnership establishment right there. Like well, how- and with, when you partner with an establishment like you talked about earlier and you feed your hosts, that makes the host so much happier. And it's another perk to hosting. Like you can get food and drink. And if you're fucking starving, yeah. and that's your, that was my one meal in a day, but it was enough. I'd eat half and I'd save the other half for later or for the morning. And just access to food like that changed my life. So Yeah, the Crow's Nest in uh, Santa Cruz is pretty nice because uh, it's a nice like like $75 payout. And then... You get a nice. I had a skirt steak, so yeah, it ended up being like a hundred bucks and stuff. Like, yeah, I had to drive to Santa Cruz, but it, it was you know like you gotta look at it like that, you know like uh, yes, a meal for a comedian is a lot. <laughs> so uh, at the brainwash, uh, when we would have other producers, we'd get them a meal. Uh, they would be able to get tips if they got tips and so forth. So it's kind of like making it accessible to them. So um, as far as a uh, hosting too, you get to have more fun. You get to play around a lot more with the audience. So really try and have fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice, easy way. And it's also the most consistent payment. All right. The most consistent payment as far as either cash experience and or new jokes. So hosting does a lot of benefit. If you really want to grow in comedy and become funny, like really funny, host. Okay. You're going to be thrown in the lion's pit, but wear your loincloth and fight on, y'all. Okay. Okay, the cons of being a host is that all the egos you have to interact with, all right? There are a lot of egos, and they're fragile, and they might not, like, have the proper communication styles and whatever might be going on in their lives, all right? Uh, Because of that, you're going to be interacting with a lot of people. Uh, If necessary, you got to keep track of time and doing the light. Which, you know, if you're having a couple drinks and you're like, wait a minute, has it been five minutes or has it been 10 minutes? You know, so FYI about that. Uh, it it kind of sucks sometimes because uh, you can't do your actual full set sometimes because you're more, your responsibility is to get the, gather the room, is to get the room going. And so that's why you sometimes have to, that means like your set might have to be put to the side. So FYI. And then typically the host is there for the entire show. So... Make sure to, you know, just get ready and accept it that you're going to be there all night. Because then that way it's not going to be so tough. Uh, Very communicative. And depending on the character, someone. Oh, that was my previous last one right there. So going back to opening the show. It's about gathering the room. Uh, When you first start off, you know, give it up for the establishment and the waitstaff. You know, that's going to be the biggest way to connect the room. Because guess what? If they're getting served drinks, they're going to just applaud more because it's alcohol, you know? So when you do that, it helps out. Uh, Work the room. And this is a tactic. I I don't know if anyone else has tried this, but figure out the angle of the room of where the stage is. And then now slice the room. So that means you're working the room like to open up. So Mr. Sean, thank you so much for wearing that sweatshirt right there. You remind me of a good summer day right there. Then my good man over there who's rolling out over there. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, doing that stuff that you do, you know? Just working the room, kind of getting people involved, just to let them know that they are part of the experience. You know, they are here. It's not just you, me, it's us thing. All right, when it's a, a, if this night's great or this day's great, 
It's because of all of us. If it's fucked up, it's because of all of y'all. You get that? How that works, you know? So, uh, and then you, depending on the room, like I would say cut an angle, so then that way you just kind of, you, you're kind of making a pizza pie, if that makes sense, you know? So you're just letting everyone know that they might have their slice coming up sooner or something like that, all right? Just, and it helps keep people on their toes and they're more still like attentive because they're like, oh, I'll, if he comes talk to me, like I want to be sure I'm going to say the right thing and stuff. People are very, uh, people are funny <laughs> overall. Um, also too, uh, in your opening set, it's about warming up the crowd. And you would like it to be hot for the first comic. Um, a lot of times it's not, <laughs> you know, so, but at the same time, you're still warming up the room. Um, I look at it as a host... And even like the opener as a leadoff person in baseball. So the leadoff person is just meant to kind of test out the pitches of the pitcher. Try and get a high pitch count to see what the different type of tactics is. So that's the thing I want you to do as a host. Is to kind of just interact as you're working the room. You're interacting. You're getting information. Even though you might not be getting a laugh, you're still getting information. So with the info, you could, could get laughs later. So does that make kind of make sense? Okay, okay, so, and then uh, hecklers. Hecklers, this wonderful, wonderful section of life that is sometimes, a lot of times, not wanted, but uh, it is there, all right? Uh, first off, uh, do not ignore them. If there are people talking in the corner and stuff and say like, hey, thank you for talking to my dream, you know? Like, but at least acknowledge them. Because, the, and here's the thing too, don't start with the question to them. Because chances are, if they're already talking, they're already thinking about themselves. So if you ask them a question, they're going to talk more about themselves. So like, uh, that's why I like, start off with the thank you. I say kill them with kindness because like, you know, thank you. Even if you're like, there was like one show where it's like, hey, thank you, man. I thought you were going to be a complete asshole, but you're not, you know? <laughs> I'm looking at my judgments again. And it, it, that helps like kind of diffuse people so they're not going to be on edge. Because like it's it's when they're like on edge that they'll come back with an aggressive comment or they think they're the life of the party type of thing. So FYI about that. Uh, you can use the aggressive behavior. You should keep it in your back pocket. But at the same time, if you start off with like that, because someone's like just ignoring you, like hey man, shut the fuck up, you're gonna connect, disconnect the audience. You know they're gonna look at you and be like, oh this guy's losing his cool. You know he, he, he you you may not no longer be a comedian. You just might be like a like a person like not being able to handle another person, so just FYI, if you want to use that, you should really use it as a back pocket though. And typically too, um, use the staff if there is staff to your advantage. So like um, you know you like you could say, hey, Mr. Security guy, we got a, we got someone on the watch list, you know, that type of thing, just to bring awareness, you know, just to be like, hey, watch out for this dude. But at the same time, like um. The biggest strength, though, is once you have the connection of the audience, you have the audience. The audience is there to see the show. The audience wants you to be funny. They're, they want a good time. So that's why when it comes to these hecklers, like, you have to let them know that, like, all right, you're kind of kicked out of the circle of trust here when you're being an asshole. You know? So that's why it's good to address them, but you got to kind of do it in a casual way. And again, the code, say, start off with a thank you, just because, like, it can help diffuse them initially and then after that you could tear them tear their butthole up you know <laughs> what if they try to what do you feel about if they try to grab the mic has that ever happened to you in an audience oh, yeah. a real drunk person oh yeah 
Yeah, so uh, if you grab the mic, uh, I would suggest uh, kind of like basketball tactics, all right? If you're dribbling and the defender's coming at you, you turn, all right? And you turn and you show them that you do not are not going to allow them. If they keep on getting closer, typically nothing's going to happen within five seconds. And if you have people at the show too, they're going to swarm. So you're not alone. When you're up here on the stage, it might feel like you're alone, but at the same time, uh, people want you to actually win. You know, even though as comedians, like, yeah, I'm funnier than that person. But at the same time, if they're funny and you have to be funnier than them, you, everyone's just gets that much better. So a little bit of that, all right? Well, with the hecklers, too, um, you have to understand that these hecklers uh, have problems. <laughs> and they don't know how to express their problems. And that's why they're coming to the show and talking about and, like, calling you out or m maybe something about you triggered them type of thing. But at the same time, like, uh, don't let them, like, uh, dictate the show, all right? If after a while where it's been a couple comedians and stuff, then you could be like, and uh, other comedians are running into the same situation, then you could be like, you know what? You're going to have to leave now, you know? And, like, the show stop up until you leave right now, all right? Like, so it's kind of like kicking a kid out of class, all right? You're like, I don't care where you go, but you can't stay here right now. Um, so that is a big part of producing too. You might have to kick people out. All right. So don't be afraid. Uh, don't uh, take advantage of it, obviously. But a lot of times these people are extremes and very rarely. So, but at the same time, if you're doing so many shows, you're bound to run into people like this at some point. So don't be uh, like taken off back and stuff. You know, remember at Brainwash, we had like that one guy who tried to kar like karate kit. The one dude and stuff like that, like, you know, and he was like, I had a face off with him in the alley and stuff. <laughs> there were a couple fights, weird things that happened at the bar. Someone threw a drink once at somebody and a sandwich or the, there was fish that was thrown something. <laughs> I remember there was, because yeah. I remember Jonathan getting up and he was speaking Spanish and then the guy's like, why is the white boy speaking Spanish to me? <laughs> Yeah, it got very confusing. There, there was definitely a lot of confusing times there, and it's because yeah, these people have problems. Uh, going yeah, back and, to that, and they had, they had cheap booze. Yeah, yeah, good old whiskey. Uh, what is it, Royal Gate, <laughs> Royal Gate vodka? <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's trippy, like dealing with these people. But you have to. At some point, you're gonna run into them, especially if you plan to do multiple shows and grow as a performer. You're going to run into these people. So, just uh, any other questions about Hecklin? No, no, good. All right. Um, I want to get into riffing. So riffing is huge for hosting. All right, it's the freestyle rap of comedy. All right, so you get to just start out of nowhere. You could uh, definitely make comments. Uh, the basic thing that you could do, you can do like, hey, what do you do for a living? If you want to do that to get a conversation going. Uh, the objective of riffing is not to always be funny. Like you would love to be funny all the time. But the objective of riffing is to gather information. Again, once you have information, you have trust, then you could get a lot of like laughs because people know and you know what's going on. So riffing, if uh, I, I still to this day, the best riffer I saw was Kasim Bentley. And this guy, would, what, what I would notice about him is that before the show, he would sit in the very, very back. And he would be taking notes. And he was making notes about every person that was sitting up front so when he went into the riffing he already had a plan mini set of it but it looks so natural and it just happened so just if you want to use that info you can 
And then also, um, I would say punch up unless a person's being a jerk. You know, like if a person's being a jerk, then like tear them a new one. <laughs> like, uh, but otherwise, uh, like just say, hey, like, hey man, like that jacket it makes me want to go to space right now. You know, just like kind of elevate people. All right, this helps just overall in society. All right, like the more we punch down, um, your mom jokes, your mom jokes like are, are still like a punch down joke, where it's like it's not creative, it's not really that funny. But it's just like you're attacking someone. So that's why punch up. All right, yeah? Give the uppercuts there. And uh, hosting, or hosting is naturally the quickest way, or riffing is the best way to get funny naturally. Because you have to just stink on your toes all the entire time. So when it comes to riffing, if I would say you should probably do 10% of your act all the time of some type of riffing. If... Unless you're like a, a big sold out show with like 200, 300 people and they came for the comedy, do your set and so forth. But a lot of these shows, you know, bars and stuff like that, uh, just make sure to uh, get there quicker, get there funny. All right. Thank you, my good man, for coming on in. I appreciate you, sir. Appreciate that jacket, too. How was uh, climbing the mountain, sir? You're pretty good. Introducing. All right. So we're in like the hosting section and this is a. Introducing your acts, all right? Uh, with it comes to the bigger shows, uh, typically you're gonna want to ask the performer, uh, do they want any intro? You know, uh, you, some people might have credits. Some people might have like a funny line, like, so it's just like, a, what, like sometimes I'll tell people, like uh, back in the day I, when it was the SF Chronicle comics to watch, like, I'll use that as a credit. Like, so they'll say, oh, your next performer was a SF Chronicle comic to watch. Give it up for Anthony Medina. And then, you know, I use that. And they're like, yeah, I'm a comic to watch because I have a court date at the end of the month. You know? So just like it's an easy way to get a quick laugh and get a quick step in. Kind of like getting an easy layup. All right? So think about that, especially when you're at a bigger show, what you would want for your intro. And at the same time, sometimes people just like to keep it pro. Like, you know, they did Comedy Central. They did Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Like, things like that, all right? Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to giving the stage to the performer, to the whatever it is, because, you again, if you're doing variety, you could have different acts. Uh, you, the objective is to make it hot for them, all right? It's, you, you warm up the room, and then you try and get the show hot. You know, is it 100% all the time? No, no. If you're walking away with, like, I would say 30%, that's pretty good, Okay. Because it's tough to make a hot show happen with four people. All right? So just letting you know, but you could do it. All right? And then uh, when it comes to introducing, too, leave your comedy beef outside. You know? Like, this is like these sirens passing through right now. These damn beefs. All right? The audience does not give a fuck about your problems. All right? Like, as for with each other. All right? They just see you as performers, comedians, and so forth. When you start to like beef it up and like next thing you know there's a fly all up in you. I think it's because I wear bright colors. That's why they attracted to me. All right. Uh, but like um, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like I understand not everyone's going to get along. There's so many different personalities, especially in this comedy scene and stuff. You're not going to get along with everyone. Uh, at the same time, you may be getting booked on the same shows as them. So you may... There's a good chance you're going to run into them if you're still both performing. Uh, if it comes down to a situation, you can let a people know that you do not want to work with this person anymore. 
That's probably your best way to